sheet there on the opposite side of the back on the prayer requests on our prayer list and there should be uh, some blanks there if that will help you tonight as we go through this Bible study. Camilla did give me an additional request that she'd like for us to pray for her cousin Elaine Good. Uh, she stepped on a nail the other day and it caused an infection in her foot and they had to amputate her foot. And uh, she is uh, doing well though. The surgery was today and uh, she is doing well, but uh, she'd appreciate our prayers for her cousin Elaine recovering from that amputation. All right. Genesis chapter 13. Again, we are familiar with this Bible character, and I've uh, kept it a little bit alliterated. Uh, Obviously, Lot was a carnal Christian, a worldly Christian, and the world wearies the weak Christian. And when Christians are weak, the world has a very perverse effect. And sadly, there are many weak Christians in the world today who are carnal and are affected and afflicted by the world. But Genesis 13 in verse 1, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the land, excuse me, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated the and dwelled in the land of Canaan, pitched his tent towards Sodom. And then verse 13 tells us what the reputation of Sodom was in that day. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So we see, first of all, tonight, we see that the Christian, the worldly Christian, is affected by the world. And we see in this passage that a worldly, a worldly Christian distances himself from the godly. A worldly Christian distances himself from the godly. Here's Lot, here's Abram. A strife had come between their herdsmen. They both had a lot of cattle and they could not dwell in the land together without their herdsmen getting into a quarrel, into an argument, into a fight of some kind. And Abram, being the unselfish man that he was, Abram, having 
a desire to make peace, to be a peacemaker, he gives Lot the first choice of the land. He finds that there's plenty of land, and he gives Lot the first choice. Basically, they looked at the same land, and Abram, giving Lot the first choice, Lot chose to pitch his tent towards Sodom. He separated himself from the godly influence of Abraham, of Abram. And we see, as we've looked at even recently in our Sunday morning series through the book of John and John 15, the world hates Christians. And I'm not going to go back and rehearse everything that we have been talking about on Sunday mornings. But the world very clearly is defined as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Sodom and Gomorrah exemplified the world, the unsaved world. It would have been obvious to Lot the character of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. There would have been no secret. It would have, there would have been no mystery. I know that they didn't have the internet. I know they didn't have all of the type, types of communication that we have today. But verse 13 is extremely clear. Right after we read that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, the reputation of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot knew where he was pitching his tent. He knew where he was putting himself. He was distancing himself from Abram, the godly influence in his life, and putting himself in a place where he could be tempted by the world. Uh, Rand Hummel, who was the director at the Wilds in North Carolina for many years, now he's the director of the Wilds in New England. Uh, he has a quote that is something along this line, make it hard to sin and make it easy to do right. And I, I've appreciated him saying that, and he emphasizes that in, in his, his, his devotionals and in his preaching. And I think it's even on the, the walls, painted on the walls uh, down there at the camp. Seems like I've seen it on the walls, maybe at the coffee shop down at the Wilds in North Carolina. And I think it's just good practical advice to make it hard on ourselves to sin and make it easier on ourselves to do right. And Lot made it easy for himself to do wrong. He put himself in a place where he would give place to the devil so that he could involve himself in the lusts of the flesh. We are told to neither give place to the devil. We're, we're, we're told to uh, avoid the appearance of evil. Every time evil manifests itself, even every time evil appears, we're to avoid it. And what did Lot do? Lot put himself in a place where he could easily be affected by the evil of the world. We cannot completely remove ourselves from every evil influence. But we can choose to be where there's godly influences more than we can be where there's ungodly influences. We live, we work, we play in the world. That doesn't mean we go all the places the world goes and do all the things that the world does. We don't watch all their movies and listen to all their music and participate in all their activities. Of course not. But we also don't put ourselves in a place of constant temptation and put ourselves in a place where we are 
constantly under spiritual pressure and duress from the world where we are tempted to do evil. Now, how many times do we put ourselves in a place, I know it's funny as a little kid and there's a, uh, an infant, a toddler, and they are told not to be in a particular place, not to be in the kitchen, opening up certain drawers, and it's almost as if you have a sign that says, do not enter or stay out. The temptation is to do what? To go and to peek in that drawer, to open up that door, to look in that room. If the cabinet is the one place mom and dad have said to stay out of, that's the cabinet it seems that the kid goes to and wants to see what's inside. And how many times do we do that? We laugh at the child, the infant, the toddler, the pet who does that. But how many times do we? put ourselves in that place. And we say, oh, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to go there to see that. I, I dealt with students who were always in the wrong place at the wrong time around the wrong people. Well, no wonder you ended up in uh, a place of temptation and did something that you shouldn't do. I like how Jerry Bridges defines worldliness in his book, Respectable Sins. He says, worldliness is being attached to, engrossed in, or preoccupied with the things of this temporal life. But I also like another part of his definition. It's also accepting the values, the mores, and the practices of the nice but unbelieving society around us without discerning whether or not those values, mores, and practices are biblical. Did Abram and did Abraham and Lot basically look at the same land? And Abraham gave Lot first dips. But did they not basically look at the same land? And Abraham looked with spiritual eyes, and Abraham looked with carnal eyes. They basically looked at the same land, and Lot was looking for, how close can I get to the world? Oh, it won't affect me. It won't bother me. It won't happen to me. It's no big deal. I can pitch my tent towards Sodom, and Sodom will never have an effect on me. I'm a strong Christian. I have Christian liberty. I'm a mature Christian. What does a mature Christian do? Stays as far away from sin as they possibly can. A mature Christian is a discerning Christian who makes the wise choice. And here's Lot pitching his tent towards Sodom and distancing himself from the godly. The, the map here uh, shows us the, the route that Abraham took, and we see that they're down now near Bethel, and I understand that the area that is now uh, discovered in archaeological digs, the area of Sodom and Gomorrah, is still full of salt pits that we can't help but wonder if the fire and brimstone that came down on Sodom and Gomorrah left that area desolate to this very day. But that's just a little bit of geography if uh, we were to be curious uh, about where that was at and the, the distance that Abraham traveled. But as we just mentioned, and our first point in our outline is that a worldly Christian distances himself from the, from the godly. Lot distanced himself from Abraham, who was godly, and put himself closer to the ungodly. Secondly, we also see in this passage that a worldly Christian will compromise on issues of morality. Lot compromised. Let's go now to Genesis 19. I know I'm skipping a lot in this story, 
but Genesis 19, and let's go to verse number 1. Lot went from pitching his tent toward Sodom to now in Genesis 19 in verse 1, there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Lot went from pitching his tent toward Sodom to living in Sodom and even being at the gate of Sodom. The gate would be the place where they would deal with their politics, where they would work out the the rules and the laws of the city, where they would maybe have their judges and their courts and their justice system. There's not great detail here, but understanding the nature of the gate of the city being the place where the courts were, where the judges were, where the politics were done, where the, the, the justice system, in a sense, the, the power centers were located, then where was Lot? Lot had gone from pitching his tent toward Sodom to living in Sodom to now being involved in the leadership. How many compromises along the way did Lot make? I've I've often wondered, in a wicked city that God described in chapter 13 as a, a city full of sinners that were wicked, sinners before the Lord exceedingly, how did Lot get to that place of some measure of power, influence, leadership? Did he compromise along the way? Makes me wonder because we go down further in Genesis 19 and look at verse number 8. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. What's the context? The flaming homosexuals came beating on Lot's door saying, give us these men who are now visiting. These angels had come, these men had been sent from God to warn Lot because God was going to bring destruction on the city. And in God's mercy, he was giving Lot and his family a chance to escape, and they're beating on the door, and they're saying, give us these men, because we want to, and I'm not going to describe, obviously, what they wanted to do with them, but they wanted to be immoral with them in a homosexual, perverted sort of way. And Lot had enough standards to say, no way, I'm not going to give you these two men, these two visitors, but look how much he compromised. Oh, I'm not going to do that wicked and evil thing and send these men out there for you to abuse, but I will give you my two daughters. I I cannot comprehend that. I only have one daughter. I cannot imagine looking into my home and saying, I have two daughters here who are unmarried, who've never known man, and you can have them. To do what with them? I don't even want to think about what those perverts outside the door would have done to those women. And Lot was willing to do that. That's how much he had compromised. A worldly Christian will compromise on issues of morality. He pitched his tent. He's living in. Now he is taking on the values of the city to the point that he can't even discern and he's willing to even send his two daughters out there to be used and abused by those wicked men. 
It's disgusting. It's repulsive. But do we not see carnal Christians today compromising on areas of morality and allowing their children or allowing their own homes to be tainted with the wickedness and the vice of the world? I wonder how many Christians, I know that there were Christian music artists who were receiving awards at the Grammys. I have no idea why they would want some sort of award from the Grammy Club. But how many Christians sat there that night and were exposed to the Satan worship that was going on at the Grammys? What kind of compromise? I wish we had more time to deal with it, but we see Lot as an example of a man who vexed his righteous soul, 2 Peter 2 and verse 7 says. Vexed his righteous soul with the wicked, unrighteous deeds of Sodom and Gomorrah. He was a righteous man whose soul was vexed. Literally, that word vexed in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 7 means his soul was tormented by the sin, the unrighteous deeds of those people. A carnal Christian, a worldly Christian, is tormented by the world. They compromise on issues of morality. They distance themselves from the godly. And then we also see in Genesis 19 that a worldly Christian does not lead his family to fear God's judgment. I cannot imagine what it was like for Lot and his wife and his his daughters. We read in verse 14 of Genesis 19, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters. So the two daughters that he offered to the, the wicked men... The, 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 the perverts outside his door, those must have been two unmarried daughters because it says that he has sons-in-law which married his daughters and he says to them, up, get you out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. What kind of a testimony did Lot have? His sons-in-law who had married two of his daughters, they're mocking him. Get out of this city. Are you crazy? Who do you think you are? What kind of testimony had Lot had with his own sons-in-law for them to mock him? And those sons-in-law and two of his daughters would die in the fire and brimstone of Sodom and Gomorrah. And then we know what happened with his other two daughters, his unmarried daughters that he had offered to the perverts, ended up having incest with him and producing two groups of people from the ancestral relationship that he had with his own daughters. Unbelievable. But they were looking at him, and they were mocking him, and he could not lead his own family, his own sons-in-law and his own daughters, to a place of safety because of his lack of testimony, because of his compromise, because of his worldliness. Verse 16 says, And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. Here judgment is coming, and what is Lot doing? He's lingering. Oh, just let me finish the episode of the, the latest. Right? Let me, let me, I know I'm being a little bit... Ridiculous in my example. But here's Lot trying to get the last little bit that he can get out of the world. Knowing that judgment is coming, knowing that the two angels are saying, let's get out of here, and he lingers. 
Let me just have a little bit more of this world. If I can just get a little, if I can just squeeze a little bit more out of this world. Hard to imagine. And yet we see Christians today that they're, they're like that. How much more can I just, I can just get a little bit more. And, and they're, they're, they're living in a place of judgment and they're not responding to God's call to God saying, get out of there, leave this place. And here we see in verse 16 that the two men literally had to take their hands and lead them out of the city. The Lord being merciful unto him in verse 16. And how many times in the mercy of God, in his goodness, God just simply gives us a good, swift kick in the seat of our pants to get us to realize that we need to drop this world and set our affections on things above and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And how many times do we need that kind of a wake-up call to get our senses right? And even as they're leaving the city, what does Lot's wife do? Let's drop down to verse 26. But his wife looked back from behind him And she became a pillar of salt. I, I, again, I don't know for sure in the archaeology, but there is, from what we understand, there are the salt pits, and there is apparently some remnants of what could be the remnants of even these many thousands of years later of God's judgment. But can you imagine, he had already lost two daughters and his sons-in-law, Fire and brimstone's about to come down on Sodom and Gomorrah. He's leaving with his two daughters who, and his wife. And in just a moment, he realizes, where's my wife? Where's she at? And she's, poof, turned into a mound of salt. I wonder what was going through his mind as he's in the caves, as he's there and his daughters are lonely and they've lost everything and the guilt and the regret and the shame that Lot must have felt, unwilling even to lead his family. They had to be pulled out of the city by those men who had come to warn them of God's coming judgment. But as we just read there in verse 16, I don't want us to leave tonight without, again, seeing the mercy of God. Genesis 19 and verse 16, the Lord was merciful. The Lord enabled Lot to escape with two of his daughters, His wife would have survived had she not looked back. But we know that a carnal Christian is still a Christian. I know they're the hardest ones sometimes for us to figure out. Are they truly saved? Where's the fruits? Stale fruits? Uh, Pruny fruits? Fruit that's been there for years, but it hasn't been added to? That's a hard thing. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about the carnal Christian. Lot is the example, if not the greatest example in all the Bible, of the carnal Christian. And it's hard for us sometimes to uh, even see Lot as a true believer, but he is called a righteous man. Uh, he, He vexed his righteous soul. He was a true believer. But he had compromised in so many ways, his testimony had been rendered virtually of no effect. But God still had mercy, pulled him out of the city. And we talked about in our series on 
the, the rapture on, on prophecy. We talked about this being an example of God saving the righteous out of the city. There weren't even ten righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah. God would have spared the city had there been even ten righteous. There weren't even ten. Lot and his family uh, made up four, if we include his wife who was turned into a pillar of salt, and the two daughters that left with him and were, were, were taken out of the city. And in, in the mercy of God, we see that God did rescue Lot and his two daughters. And we do see in that picture the rapture of God uh, taking uh, us as believers out of the world before there's judgment. And we talked a little bit about that in our series on prophecy on the rapture. But is there mercy for the carnal Christian, for the worldly Christian? Sure there is. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We read similarly in Proverbs, he who confesses and forsakes his sin shall have mercy. Joel 2 and verse 25 talks about God restoring what the locust has eaten. I'm thankful that our God is a God of mercy. That even though the good man may fall seven times, the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. He can be restored. I'm thankful that our God chastens us and brings into our life people to counsel us, brings into our life sometimes consequences to teach us. I'm thankful, I've said it here many a time, I'll continue to repeat it, that I'm thankful for every single one of the spankings that I got. And I know I deserved more. I'm thankful for uh, a wife and, and children, thankful for deacons, thankful for uh, a church family that holds me accountable. I need that. I'm thankful for the Christian college that I went to where, yeah, some of the rules were silly, but I'm thankful for the things that I learned and having to discipline myself, and having to be in bed at a certain time, and up at a certain time, I'm thankful for some of those ways in which God brought discipline into my life. And I still have a long ways to go. I'm thankful for God's mercy and for God's forgiveness. But we have to go to Him, don't we? We have to confess, and we have to forsake that sin in order to experience God's mercy. And so we see in Lot, we see a worldly Christian, but still a worldly, a worldly Christian that experience God's mercy. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for these examples that we have been looking at from the word of God. Lot is disappointing in so many ways, and yet we can learn even from his bad example. Lord, help us to avoid temptation. Help us, Lord, not to give place to the devil. Help us, Lord, to stay close to those who are godly and to stay close to you and to your word. And Lord, when we do sin, help us, Lord, to immediately go to you and confess our sin and forsake our sin, knowing that you do promise forgiveness and that, Lord, you do show us mercy. And we thank you for that. We pray that, Lord, you will guide and direct in the remainder of the week and bless as we go from here into our places of work or wherever that, Lord, you have us. May we be a testimony for you and be salt and light for you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here tonight. I hope that you have a great rest of the week. Look forward to seeing the men on Saturday in the CPR training and then Sunday back here for, for worship.